0: Welcome to Season 2 of Faith in Your Recovery. We're glad you've joined us. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, sharing it with us. Our goal is to touch on all things recovery. I have a guest here with me today. Her name is Kristen Smith. I'll introduce her to you and let her tell her story here in just a few moments. But we get the struggle, the challenge, the stigma We get that sense of loss. Just whether we're your your first choice or your last chance, we don't care. We're here to serve you. We're here to encourage you, to build you up. A Better Life, Brianna's Hope, is our umbrella for faith in your recovery. We're a support and recovery movement, a participant-driven, faith-based, compassion-filled support and recovery movement. Thanks. For being with us today, Kristen, welcome to Faith in Your Recovery. Thank you. Hey, it's good to have you with us. We look forward to hearing your story, your history, your present, your plans for the future.
1: Well, it's good to be here.
0: All right, so let's go ahead and get started here. Tell the folks where you're at in life right now. What your what your career is about. What your personal outreach ministry, however you may label it share that with folks, would you please?
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, so I am the director of a women's transitional house called the house of Shifra. Um, I've been doing that for about four and a half years now. Um, after struggling with my own addiction, I wanted to have a career in helping other women, um, find a way out and find hope. And, um, I know if I can do it, that they can do it, and um, I also work for Turning Point as a peer recovery coach, and that kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, my goal in life is to help people get sober.
0: So go ahead and share with the folks what what the House of Schiffer is, what that means, how it got its name, and the importance of that. Would you please?
1: Yeah. Um. So I was on the streets. Um. Addicted to drugs, and my grandmother is a pastor of a church out here in Anderson, and she wanted me to come home. And she figured if she opened a house, she could get me to come home. And um, when I first got to the house of Shifra, um, she told me, you know, we were talking about the meaning of it, and it was from the book of Exodus in the Bible, and it was, you know, a spiritual midwife back in back in the, you know, days when Pharaoh was murdering the baby boys that were born. And um, this, the Shifra was a spiritual midwife that would, you know, go and hide the baby and help raise it so it didn't get killed. And um, she joked with me, she said, I wanted to name it Kristen's house, but <laughs> she didn't do that. Um, but I love it. You know, it's different. You know, we're we're a 12 step based house, but we're also faith-based, too.
0: Awesome combination. Yes. Thank you for that work and what that means to the community, the lives you've touched, uh, changed, and helped to save, I'm sure. So you say the house has been up and running four-plus years, or that was just your involvement
1: with it? Um, So I have been sober. It'll be six years in
0: March. Congratulations.
1: Thank you very much. And the house opened probably six months before I got sober. Um, my she my grandma would, you know, she opened the house and then she would tell me about it, you know, being open and ask when I was going to come. And I wasn't ready, you know, and um, it took me hitting my bottom. And I when I finally got to the house, I it was a six month program at the time I completed the six month program And then I took over as like the house manager and my grandmother was actually she's so busy with her ministry, her church that she runs, you know, she was going to, you know, shut the house down because she didn't have time. And that's when I stepped up and I I said, I want it. (laughs) I I wanna take over for you and that's exactly what I did and we've been going strong ever since and we have a house full of girls now and it's awesome seeing people come in completely broken and hopeless and watching them just develop into the woman that they're supposed to be.
0: Is it still a six month program basically?
1: So we're we're when I first moved in, we were a halfway house, just a halfway house. Now we're called a transitional house for women. I get a lot of women from prison, um, a lot of women from work release, things like that. And it's a 90 day program. But after 90 days, you're welcome to stay as long as you want to. But you get a certificate of completion. And, um, you know, within those 90 days, you have to work the 12 steps and keep a job and pretty much learn how to live life not in a recovery house.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can you explain to us the difference in it being a halfway house and what it is?
1: So I guess the only difference is it allows the— the girls a little more freedom than they would have if it was just a halfway house um transitioning transitional meaning transitioning into back into the society you know it's more short term than a halfway house would be
0: okay at full capacity how many girls is that
1: i've got 14 right now
0: is that yeah pretty full up?
1: yeah yeah we're looking to expand we're looking for another facility um, that's our goal is to find another facility and
0: expand. So the house is located here in Anderson, is that correct? Yes. And if the folks know of someone with a need or someone who might be interested, how can they get a hold of you?
1: Um, so I usually just give out my personal cell phone number. I get calls all day long, you know, for, for women, you know, needing a bed or I get a lot of phone calls for women that, aren't drug addicts or alcoholics. And that's what's cool about working for Turning Point is I have the resources to help direct them into the, into somewhere else that fits them. So you can
0: just almost change hats on the spot and have help for them. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, we want to hear more about some of those victory stories after a while. Okay. I know you'll have limits for their privacy, but I'm sure there's enough you can share that the folks will be inspired to hear that. But let's hear about your story. You made a comment there a little bit ago until you hit your bottom. What was your life like? What did it look like before You got to your bottom, your struggles, your losses. Can you share some of that?
1: Yeah. um, So I started using, I, I smoked weed all my life. I drank, you know, all my life since I was about 13 years old. And I had my first child at 17, my second child at 19, and my third at 21, um, after me and my children's father broke up, I was about 23 years old and I started hanging out with the Ron crew. Um, I got involved with some people that were that were doing um, opiates, and that's where I started. Um, my grandmother found out about me being on drugs and she found my first recovery treatment center to go to and so i went to treatment
0: did you go to treatment because you wanted to or because well, the pressure that she put on a combination
1: so the treatment center was in florida
0: that's not all that's bad, why i went today's weather
1: that's why i went um just kind of escape reality and move to florida i thought it was going to be all great um and it, it was it was great for for a while, and then I just I wasn't ready to get sober, and I ran from that rehab. Um, I met a guy at rehab, and I left with him, and ended up in Columbus, Georgia. I got hooked on um, meth while I was in Georgia, and that's that became my drug of choice. That became my uh, my best friend. And, um, during this period, I didn't really have anything to do with my family or my kids or anything. I just, I did a lot of things that I, I wouldn't have ever done if it wasn't for the drugs.
0: Was that by your choosing your, your separation with the family or they separate from you?
1: That was my choosing.
0: Okay. Thank you.
1: They, my grandmother was always there for me through all of it. She, you know, she had my children and, Always reminded them that I loved them and she got involved with she didn't really get involved with Al-Anon but she started to research addiction and kind of find out a little bit about it. And um, this went on for for about five years or so and um, my bottom was me being homeless on the streets in Indianapolis and stealing cars and robbing people and uh, just being a horrible person in general. And I got arrested March 10th of 2017 for auto theft. and that was, I've been sober ever since that day.
0: Okay, How did that play out? The arrest? Did you serve time because of that? So God is awesome.
1: Um, the man whose car I stole, he got his keys, he got his car back and he decided not to press any charges. So I didn't get any felonies. I have a clean record. Um, I was just, I have had a lot of people praying for me, my grandmother included. Um, and I just, I've always, I've always been a Christian. So I've always had the Holy spirit talking to me through all of it. And, um, I honestly think that it's the grace of God that that I didn't get charged with that.
0: That's not always the story. Right, <laughs> right. You and I and our folks out there listening all know that. Mm-hmm. that it. Uh, I've heard of a lot of jailhouse religion, and I believe in possibility. Yep. You know, I don't believe it's real for everybody, but case raw on that one. Regardless, uh, he gave you a chance yep. far beyond what you deserved Yep. and uh, far beyond what anybody deserves. But the thing was you chose to take advantage of that blessing and turn it into something mighty and powerful. So tell us how you came up from that bottom, okay? Uh, The bottom can oftentimes be a springboard to send you upward. So tell us about that.
1: So once I entered the house of Shifra, I still, I had in the back of my mind, I really didn't know if I was ready to get sober. I was kind of... uh, undecided, but I wanted to, um, give it a chance. You know, I decided I was going to surrender everything and make the best of it. And once I got to the house, I, I met the girls that lived there and I started going to AA and NA meetings. And I found out that I really, really enjoyed being with a lot of other like-minded people. You know, I wasn't any different from, the prob the problems I had weren't any different than the problems they had. And we could all relate. And they were all trying to better themselves just like I was. So that really um, inspired me to do better. And so I just I gave it my all, you know, I stayed off drugs, I got a sponsor, I started working the 12 steps, um, you know, doing service work, you know, I, I built a relationship with my higher power Um, and that's ultimately what has kept me sober this long and I love it.
0: (laughs) You know as you were talking there you said you could relate to the others who were there. To me that can sometimes mean it's like looking in a mirror. You see that person who's lived your story and you see how they're climbing out of that hole and finding the light and that reflects in you and probably drives you forward to get where they're at and to continue to go. And that's what you've done. So as you came up out of that, as you started to find your recovery, as you came into that relationship with God and he blessed you in so many ways that led you to the house of Shifra, what has your leadership role there been like and if you would share some of those victory stories you've seen in you know the other gals there
1: yeah so um my leadership role there starting out before i took over as director i was the house manager and i was taught how to do drug screens and do admissions on people and um you know make sure chores were getting done things like that you know um and then once i took over as director my role was still kind of the same I just had a lot more responsibility piled on top of it which I like all the responsibility because ultimately it helps me stay sober and I have a lot of success stories and then I have a lot of girls that haven't been so much successful and um I I allow second chances third chances you know if somebody hadn't given me that second third chance I probably wouldn't be alive today and um, I have a bunch of girls who have completed the program and have graduated and now still are a part of the house and we have house meetings every Sunday evening and they still come to all of those and they like to be involved and It's awesome to see them getting their kids back and keeping a job and because we're not the same people when when we become sober, when we learn how to live a new life, we're not that same person
0: anymore. Better not be, had we? Right,
1: right. And my goal is to help people get sober, but my ultimate goal is to lead people to Jesus.
0: Amen to that. So, all that you've been through, all the folks that you've had come and go through House of Shifra... What, how do I best word this, what has had the most impact on you? Those who have been there and then stumbled and fell, maybe lost to overdose, death, or the victories, or each one still takes a toll, I'm going to guess.
1: So, I've had a lot of losses as far as women and men in recovery. I feel like I've lost more people since I've been sober to overdoses than I ever did when I was in active addiction. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And um, even the people that I've had, you know, not complete Shifra and not do so great, the girls that I do have completed and the girls that I do have success with make it all worth it, you know.
0: One victory makes it worth a lot of losses, though nobody wants to lose a friend, a loved one, or even a stranger. Uh, addiction takes its toll for certain. What kind of advice could you give to folks who have a family member that's struggling with addiction? Uh, what would you, How would you caution them, and how would you encourage them?
1: Well, um don't ever give up on them. Um, just love them. And I've had, you know, issues. Me, for example, when I was in active addiction, I was great at manipulating people um, to get what I wanted. You know, whether I would tell my family, you know, hey, I don't have any money for food or I don't have any money for for whatever and you know I would just make up stories so I could get money to go and get my drugs and um some family members don't catch on to it they they feel bad and but that's just enabling them so my advice just love them pray for them um don't enable them just don't give up on them you know once they're ready for help they'll ask for it
0: I don't know if there is an answer to this next question, but I would at least like your opinion, okay? Okay. How do we know when we are enabling? Where is that line?
1: So, for example, I, just this past weekend, I took a friend of mine who reached out for help. I took him to a treatment facility and I while I was there waiting to get him checked in there was a woman that came in uh, a mom and she was talking about her son my husband runs a men's facility so that's where I'm going with this um she was talking about her son and my husband was trying to talk to her about his facility and she said well do they take insurance and he said no he'd have to get a job and do this on his own. And she said, well, he, he can't do that. You know, like just certain instances like that, like let them stand up on their feet and put the footwork in and do this for themselves. Just, just be there for them while they're trying to do it, you know, and sometimes letting them suffer, it's hard because that's your loved one and you love them, but sometimes letting them suffer is the only way that they're going to hit their bottom.
0: We have to make each other accountable, don't we? Yes. Yeah, and allow responsibility even if it's failed because the next time maybe you just found the way to climb above it. Yep. And until we do. Awkward. Again, not sure how to ask. But what what was the comment you would hear most often during your struggle that would just burn your tail the most? Uh, somebody try, thinking they're giving you advice and they're just not very wise with that advice.
1: Oh, why can't you just stop? <laughs> That's probably the biggest one. Um, some people that don't understand addiction, they ask, why can't you just stop doing the drugs? Why can't you just stop drinking? Because it's an allergy and I can't stop. It's, it's out of my control. It's a choice for me until I pick up that first one. Once i pick up the first drink or drug i'm off to the races and my mind is is gone you know and it's it becomes an obsession at that point so until you get some sort of treatment or start getting sober get sober get off the drugs stay off the drugs it's just going to be an obsession
0: i started in this kind of work about eight years ago and I can't begin to tell you how many times I was told that. Why don't you tell them to just stop? And my response would be, they wish they could. Yeah. Uh, if it was that simple, we wouldn't be here today even talking about it. We'd have this thing beaten, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I've yet to meet someone who has said, when asked as a fourth grader, what they want to be when they grow up. And the answer is an addict. Yep. I've had the privilege to go into several schools, elementary through high school, and I've yet to meet someone who wanted to be an addict or someone who's been happy in their addiction. Uh, if you could get over it at Snap Finger, their fingers would be raw mm-hmm. trying to get over it. So uh, we've just got to tune in to know It's a disease, and you touched on it. My thoughts have always been, yes, it's a disease, but it's set off by a choice, Mm -hmm. that first use. and I've always said there's no such thing as experimenting. It can be one and done with the fentanyl today and everything, or at least it can own you after the first try. And uh, there's not one of us big enough, bold enough, strong enough to just, boom. Once it grabs us, to let it go. That's for certain. Uh, What do you want folks out there to know? To know about the struggle, to know about finding victory. Uh, Give them a process, maybe, for somebody who's wanting a formula. And I know it's not a magic formula that works for everybody. The first couple, three steps toward recovery look like what?
1: So for me personally, um, you know, I had to admit that I was powerless over the drugs or the alcohol. Um, you know, it is a choice until I take that first one after that first one, it's not a choice anymore. So I'm powerless over that first one and, um, finding a higher power, um, you know, giving your life over to that higher power and, asking for his will and not your own, whatever your higher power might be. Um, And really getting honest, you know, finding a sponsor and getting honest about the things you've done and finding your part in, you know, resentments or anything like that. Usually a resentment is a number one reason a person relapses, being mad at someone And for me, any resentment that I've had in life, I've always played a part in that. And so I have to recognize what my character defects are and pray and ask God to remove those from me. And um, they're not gone today still, but I recognize it when I'm doing it.
0: That's the key, isn't it, to stay above it all. Yes. And I liked your term there, we've got to be honest. Yes. And... uh, it doesn't matter what side you stand on with any kind of substance use disorder, addiction, label it as you will. You have to be honest with yourself. Yep. And that's all of life, whether you're into that or not. Yep. Uh, in relationships, we've got to be honest. And uh, wow, that's, that's a big part of it. And certainly I believe with all my heart that that higher power. Yes. Mine is God, Christ, yes. and uh, d- I know too. it is for for many, and you've already expressed that. And that is where the strength and the peace that passes all understanding comes into play, and we can draw on that. We're not here, folks, to tell you there's one way to do this. We're here to tell you there are different options, but you bring God on board with you, all those options I believe with all my heart, work better. Uh, I've often been asked, "Can it be done without God?" I believe it can. I just don't believe it's going to be nearly as successful. Uh, I know there are those who battle that. That's okay, but uh, that's where I stand with it. Uh, what, what kind of advice? would you give to that person right now who says i'm listening but this is this means nothing to me i am not ready everybody tells me i should be etc what would you give advice to what would be the advice you'd give to that individual who hasn't started toward recovery
1: what do you have to lose <laughs>
0: compared to what you have to gain, right? Yeah. And they may not even be ready to see what they have to gain, but they know what they have to lose yeah. uh, because they've already, maybe nothing because they've already lost it all, right. right?
1: That's how it was for me. I had already lost everything. I was living out of a duffel bag that kept getting, all my stuff got stolen from me everywhere I'd go. And I would, I literally came to the house of Shifro with the clothes on my back. And um, I didn't have anything to lose. That's why I said, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot and I'm going to surrender everything and just give it
0: 100%. And I'm going to guess you never dreamed of being in that place, homeless, having nothing to your name. Nope. and uh, struggling and hunting for the next meal and having to do what you had to do to get that meal or that shelter. Mm-hmm. That had to be dark times that you never dreamed
1: of. Yeah, at the end of it, I was living in a, living in abandoned houses. Um, I was waiting outside of McDonald's for pre- people to throw their food away so I could see if there was any leftovers um, I would steal from the grocery stores. Um it, that's when I was eating, but I was on meth, so I really didn't eat or sleep very much. But when I did, that's how I did it.
0: Yeah. So, Kristen, what's, what are your plans for the future, professionally, personally? What's, what's one of those things on your wish list?
1: Um, wow. The sky's the limit now at this point. You know, um, I'm just trying to follow... Uh, the plan that God has for me and taking it day by day and I never ever thought I'd be working you know helping save people's lives like I am and being a peer recovery coach and I never even imagined that you know when I was younger like I wanted to be like I don't know a school teacher or something (laughs) and nothing to do with recovery I didn't understand it but now that I understand it um, I wouldn't mind, you know, going back to school and being a recovery, like, counselor, you know, getting, like, a therapist license also on top of it. That but, would be awesome.
0: But your heart and your passion is going to remain in that field of recovery, it Absolutely. sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. You
1: can't in- keep it without giving it away.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's, that's such a fact in so many areas. As you recall, the name of our podcast is Faith in Your Recovery. What do those four words mean to Kristen?
1: Um, faith in your recovery. Um, I don't know how to answer that one. Um,
0: it's all right. Take your time.
1: I don't know. I like it because you have to have faith in your recovery to be in recovery. If you don't have faith in it, then it's It's non-existent. It's not going to happen. If you don't
0: believe that it can happen, it's not going to happen because you're going to sabotage yourself again, right?
1: Yeah. And I've had a lot of girls in the past that do so good and then they are doing so good that they end up sabotaging themselves because they're, I don't know if they're afraid or, or what the deal is, but... You know, they must not have faith in their recovery.
0: Success can be scary. You know, a lot of people who live in self-invoked misery at least know what to expect. But what's it going to be like if I move away from this and move into a new lifestyle? Uh, To those of us who haven't battled the issue in the same way, it doesn't make sense. But when you look at it, I get it. There's comfort sometimes in our pain mm-hmm. as, as much as we don't like to deal with it. So is there anything else you'd like to add here today? Anything you'd like to say or share that we haven't touched on?
1: I guess the only other thing, um, if you want to get sober, reach out and find help to change your people, places, and things. Because I wouldn't have been able to get sober if I wouldn't have done that and i still have people in active addiction that i care about and that i pray for but until they're ready i'm just leading by example
0: yes okay well thank you thank you for your time today thank you for the privilege of sharing with you in this interview god bless we hope the you know the very best for you folks we know you've not come this far Tony come this far thanks for joining us today Continue to follow us on your favorite podcast platform or shoot us an email at podcast at A-B-L-B-H And above all, remember, don't give up on yourself or others and don't give in to the urge. Your answer, your healing, your recovery may be just around the next corner or perhaps in our next episode. Believe and keep fighting the battle. God bless.